Awesome. Amen. Okay. Thank you. A few more things. You, you, I, I can't really get up here and we do talk about family. I think I figured out that my life will be spent the rest of my life talking about marriage, family, and men. Meaning helping people do this well. Not just, let me just talk about men and family. And, um, I, I feel like the Lord has given us something just through our own story and, and just the, the hunger we have to do this well to give this away. So that's, that's what I'll be spending my life doing. So we're here to do that today. Talk about family. So I can't do that without showing you these people. So real quick, this is Lincoln. Lincoln James Serple. What a guy. He's a Taekwondo black belt, so don't mess with him. Uh, you've already met Brittany, the most beautiful girl in the world. Delaney, uh, she just graduated actually in Dallas in May. So she's heading to Bethel. So I, I went to school of ministry. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm from Australia. There's a whole story that I won't share today. I have to come back to tell that story, but I met Brittany as it far out. It's, that's, more, uh, that's more LA, but that's okay. Um, but I, I met Brittany at a young age. I figured out that's the girl I wanna marry. I came back from Australia. I went through school ministry 21 years ago. So my daughter is going 21 years after I went and so excited. There's such a testimony there, so cool. And then, so she's almost 18, Adeline, Almost 14, and then that guy is almost 40. There we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have more business. Real quick. I, I have to brag on this girl one more time. She just wrote a book recently. So Imperfect Parenting, Connection of Perfection. I, I believe I was selling some out there somewhere. So you, you should get that book. Um, if you're a parent, you want to be a parent, or you have been a parent, or you just think parenting's cool, regardless, you should get the book because it, she covers some stuff that really does capture the heart of God, like they talked about. Two more things. Um, the podcast that, that she mentioned already, Imperfect Parenting. This is with our close friend, Seth Dahl. You guys know who Seth Dahl is? If you don't, you should. He is a, yeah, I'll, I will probably get emotional. He's like a close brother. So Seth Dahl and Brittany and myself do that one, and then D Danny and Sherry do a, do a, podcast. These are both weekly, so we're coming at you every week, the Kylo Show. And the last thing is this. And the reason we're talking about this is, is, is here. There's things like the podcast, and then we have something called Life Academy, which is courses you can watch. And then we have Kylo Community, which is a once-a-month thing. And then we have this called, called Kylo University. The reason I'm showing you this is, is we have such a heart to disciple people in, in the emphasis that God's given us. I think healthy relationships is such an important piece in really stewarding what, what God wants to do on the earth. And there's something about getting, getting people closer to us in proximity to, to walk together, to really get in your life and say, hey, I love what you're doing. Some paradigm shifts took place. You read a book, you watched a course, you listened to a podcast. Let's go a little bit deeper together for 16 weeks and, and watch what will happen. We did this once already. The testimonies were profound. Marriages shifted, families changed. People got closer to God. I mean, it's just so fun. So if you'd like to go deeper with us and, and really learn how to, how to do this well, become a, a champion for, for relationships, come join us, okay? All done. Okay, here we go. Let, let's talk about something. So, so my job today is to talk about family culture. We, we love this topic. I, I love talking about this because it's, it feels like the thing that often is the last thing we think about. From, from my experience, 
having a family, and my experience working with families for a long time, is churches do this well, businesses do this well, even some schools do this well. We talk about culture and the, the ins and outs of our value systems and beliefs and all that, but often our family is the last place we do this. It's the last place we think to begin to look at and, and pull apart what's our culture. I don't know why, it just is. Our marriage and family is often a lot. Now, I, I may be talking to a different group of people. M maybe you're the exception. I'm not sure, upper room. If you are, then please help us. But this is my experience, is for some reason, it's the last place, because it's not really what we talk about. It's not really trained to take a look at what's the culture of our home. What's, what's the culture in our family that's really, really perpetuating what's in the heart of God for who we are? Because he has a plan, right? Okay, you have to help me out a little bit. That was an easy one. He has a plan. There we go. Our, our, our ministry is called Loving on Purpose, so I, I, I titled this slide, Culture on Purpose. Just having some fun here. But, but there are some, some questions we have. And I, I think that there's a lot of people, especially parents with toddlers, who are just trying to stay alive. Just trying... I see that hand. I'm just trying to get to tomorrow. I'm not sure, but I think they're trying to kill me, these little people. And then they grow some body hair and we call them teenagers, but it's kind of the same thing. Just trying to get to tomorrow. So it feels like I'm in this survival thing, like, oh my gosh, you little people, all I do is feed you. I feed you and then I get ready for the next time I'm going to feed you. That's all we do around here. And I came with a mess from when I tried to feed you. Whew. That's, that's parenting. Am I right? Once in a while, we, we go somewhere in the car, maybe church, or we come home and I feed you again. And if you don't have, don't have parents yet, you are that child. You're the one I'm talking about. I was a youth pastor. It felt like that's all I did. Is I, just, I was really just a glorified event coordinator looking for ways to feed them. But, but as a family, who are we? Where are we going? What, what's this really about? Um, when I think about culture, you know, it's, it, it's everywhere around us. There's a culture in this church. You know, I, I've, I've been in two services now, last night and today, and the children fill the front of the room. That's part of your culture now. That's normal. That's, that's what we expect. And it's beautiful. Please don't change it. I love it. I was going to get a photo of it. I missed it. So. But it's, it's just, it's part of your culture. When you walk out these doors, there's a, there's a certain culture in Dallas, right? Just everywhere we go, this is what's happening. One of the things in Australia that they're sadly famous for is something they call tall puppy syndrome. It's essentially this, that when someone begins to like figure some stuff out and... and pop out of the mundane and the normal, the culture is, is to grab that person and pull them back down. Isn't that nice? It's, someone said something funny, I missed it. <laughs> Demonic, yes. It's, it's essentially a, a spirit of poverty. That's what it is. Because when someone's stooped in that, in that mindset of poverty, they do the same thing. You start making some money, you start being successful, it's my job to pull you back down. That's the culture we agreed on. You're changing the agreement. 
So a quick, quick story. Brittany, uh, she was raised with Yoda, Mr. Relational Yoda, and Mrs. Relational Yoda. So then I came along and uh, had to figure it out. It was, it was easy. Don't worry about it. It was fine. That was a joke, just in case. Um, but when she was 16, she, she went to homeschool and she found this job where, it's a long story, but essentially the, the mother just could not handle these two girls they had. She, she, was, she was the sole provider or um, custody. And she just couldn't handle these girls, uh, drugs, alcohol, just living a really hard life. And then the, the state took the children away and gave them to the dad. So the dad had this thriving construction business in, in Southern California. He moved up to Redding, California to watch these girls. And somehow he found Brittany. And so, so she's now, she gets there at six in the morning, gets them ready, feeds them, dresses them, feeds them some more probably, and then sends them to school. And then picks them up at school at three o'clock and he's there till 6 p.m. till he gets home. So she's like, she's becoming quickly as a 16 year old like the mother in their life. And about two months in, this dad comes to her and says, I need to talk to you. Oh, crap. What did I do wrong? I'm sorry. What's going on? She's like, he says, let's go outside. So they walk outside, and she's just expecting this, I'm about to get fired. I don't know what happened, but I'm going to get fired. And he says, what are you doing with my girls? Oh, it's getting worse. He says, they listen to you. Oh, Okay. Just took a turn. They, they respect you. What is it that you're doing that I'm not able to do? Will you teach me? This father is talking to a 16-year-old girl about the culture that she's been able to build with these girls that she's been entrusted with. And I think this, this really goes for anyone that wants a healthy relationship. There's an internal culture that you're carrying around with you that everywhere you go, this, this is the culture that, that you bring with you. And what happens is you, you either combine that with the person with you or yours or their culture wins. You know, I, I uh, as you know, I married Brittany. It'll be 20 years in October. So we only have like five jokes. I already told this one last night, but we got married at 12. So I say that people are like, how old are you? Don't worry about it. So... Um, we, we, had a, we had agreement. We had a great agreement when we first got married. And it was this, that Brittany's needs matter and my needs don't matter. So, so we're, we're a really good fit. We built this great agreement with this really cool culture that some of you are laughing, you're just like, ha, ha, that's us. <laughs> hey, look, honey, we fit great together. You're important, I'm not, let's get married. It sounds horrible, but this is, this is normal. After working with hundreds of couples, this is normal. We had to get to, it took some time, and that's a whole different Sunday morning. But we had to get to, you matter and so do I. But there's this culture. You are building a culture whether you like it or not. So the beliefs and practices of a group of people that is passed down from generation to generation. This is really, really the heart that I wanna go after today, is, is we are giving something away to the next generation. That, that there, there's a culture that, that God has actually called you to begin to build today 
that's talked about for years to come. You know, my, our, our daughter's about to leave to, to go to Bethel, which means she's leaving her house. I'm describing this as wonderfully terrible. So excited for her. Please don't go. It's our first time, right? It's our first child to release into the world. And parents who have done it, I don't know, pray for me, I guess. But it's, it's uh, I feel so thankful because I'm watching her right now. Just two nights ago, there's this boy that's coming around a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's actually doing a really good job, praise the Lord. But I'm watching her practice our culture out loud. She's putting our culture that she has, has made her own and putting it on display. I'm not sure there's really another expression of success than my children living out the thing that, that we said is important. Because it became her own. It's, it's not because I said it's important, you have to do this. It's because we lived this out, we worked through all the hard stuff, and then you chose it. This is so encouraging. All right, baby, you can go. Um, I was just kind of thinking through just, just this idea that, that culture really has to be intentional. It has to be a choice we make. Um, I, I heard a while ago, my wife's dad talked to a guy who got to, got to sit with Billy Graham on his deathbed. And he looks at him at, at one point in these, these talks and he says, Billy, all right, here's the question. You have it all to do over again. You have to start over and, and do your life one more time. What would you do different? And Billy Graham, let me say it again. Billy Graham, yes, that guy, he said this. That's easy. I wouldn't do any of the crusades. I wouldn't do any of the big meetings. None of that stuff. I would take 12 men and pour my life into them. Someone else did that and it worked. We sang about him today. And, and we're actually building a men's movement right now based on that one story. Brittany's dad has, has gathered 12 men. I'm one of those. I now have 12 men. One of my guys has nine men. This is going to show up in Dallas pretty soon here. Watch out. It's called Dragon Slayers. That's right. But six layers in, it's almost three million men who are in deep connected covenant relationship with other men, linking arms. Because this is what we need right now. This is a different message. But we need men to begin to stand up and actually take responsibility for the culture that they're creating. Right? Come on, somebody over there. Yeah. There's a dragon slayer back there. I already said this, but culture happens one of two ways said Brittany Serple, on accident or on purpose. When you start reading about culture in, in society in different places, they, they, there's lots of times when this, this whole uh, iceberg analogy shows up. When they're talking about, you know, there's, there's the, the language and traditions and customs, I kind of on the surface, like the things you can feel and see. And that's there, that's, that's felt, that's experienced. There's different customs in your household a lot of them probably because your parents gave them to you. This is what we do. And then you get married. That's really fun. Trying to mix those together. 
No, mine's better. No, yours is stupid. That's not out loud, it's just in your head, right? But then below the surface is, is the beliefs, the values, the vision. But there's things that, that, that are happening, and if we don't actually kind of peel back the layer and take a look and be intentional, there's something taking place that I, I may not be aware of what's happening. So, so do I know the culture we're building? I'm going to get to it in a minute, and I actually want to leave you with a tool today, whether you have a family, you want a family, or, or this, this is something you help other families do. But it's something that's dramatically shifted our family culture. I'll get to that in a minute. But if, if, if I say anything today, it's this. This is what we're after. is on earth as it is in heaven. I think as Bill Johnson said, that movements start from, from the bottom up, but culture comes from the top down. When I think about the life of Jesus, he showed up and he started a movement. He, he came to serve, and, and this, this roar and this wave begin to happen around him. Things begin to vibrate and shuffle and, and move, and there's this movement taking place. Then after a while, there's this culture that's, that's begin to set in. And, and the people of, of that land in that day are getting mad about it. Because they're realizing that his culture is conflicting with theirs, and they don't like it. Does this sound familiar? This is what's happening right now. Is, is, is there's a culture you're responsible to, to begin to build and steward. And when you do, there's people that are mad about it. Be of great courage when that happens. You're doing something right. You know, the, the disciples come to Jesus like four times. All right, Jesus, give it to us. Let's be honest. Who's the greatest? Come on, really. It's me, right? And every time he says, the greatest is the one who serves. Okay, well, that, that's cute, but Jesus, really. It's just, just you and me now. It's okay. That was for them. They need to serve me. Who's the greatest? The one who serves. But when I read that, I'm thinking, he's actually building this culture around him. There's this culture taking place. And I think one of the things that happens is, is there's these stones we begin to pick up. There's these cultural stones. And, and one of the things that I, I'm asking the Lord to begin to re reveal to you this morning is there's certain stones that he's given you throughout your life. You actually have them already. This message isn't, you've done it wrong, go fix it. It's, it's actually in your possession already. I just need to peel, peel back the top layer and go, okay, what's in there? What's God given me? I have a funny example for you. It's a quick video. We just found yesterday, I think, or two days ago, and I thought, I'm gonna share this. Um, Colby's here. It's his church. He goes here. We don't. But I've known Colby for 21 years now, I think. So he, this, is the, this is the Ben and Brittany that Colby met, just for, just for context. We weren't 12, but we were close. But this is the day that I proposed to Brittany. I know. I'm pretty sentimental, so deal with it. Um, but I, she was, uh, she was 17. Remember, I, I, it's Danny and Sherry. They do relationships, so they said yes. So she, she had told me, Ben, we're ready. Just propose. I'm like, no, I'm going to wait till you're 18. Come on. We went through my dad's class, the pre-marriage stuff. We got a great score. Come on. 
What are you waiting for? I'm going to wait till you're 18. It's like a thing. It's probably a tradition. It's part of my culture. Leave me alone. You know, I, this one time, I'm just telling you silly stories for a minute. For her birthday or graduation, one of them, I gave her a jewelry box because I was walking through JCPenney. So this cool jewelry box. And she's waiting for me to propose in this season. It was stupid. Yeah, I saw that face. Stupid. To make it worse, I put $2, two $1 bills in the bottom drawer. She's like, nope, nope. Oh my gosh, really? I like to think it was on purpose because I was kind of keeping her and her mom on, on their toes. Like, is it, it's today the day? Nope, it's today the day. But really, it was just a stupid decision. <laughs> that was mean. So that had nothing to do with this story except that we got married. So I just want to show you, this, show you this real quick. The reason I'm actually showing you this part of the video, it's a seven-minute video. I'm going to show you 50 seconds. Don't worry. But this moment took place. I had the ring in my pocket. I was so excited and so nervous. I'm 19 years old. And we're walking down, and I see this man and woman. So it's kind of like this, this ramp you go down, and you go another ramp, and there's this waterfall. Right? I know. The, the scene was set. So I'm coming to this ramp, and I, and I passed this guy, and I said, hey, sir, I'm so nervous. Do you have pain in your ankle? And he goes, no. Wonderful. Have a great day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so we keep walking. And then we're down the ramp. He's up the ramp. He stops me halfway and says, sir, I lied. I have pain in my ankle. You do? Okay, this is a good sign. Jesus is here. So watch this for a minute. This was like one of the stones we picked up. Here we go. Little Ben and Brittany. got completely healed that day. And she said yes. <laughs> uh, I couldn't find a good picture, so that's kind of a funny one. But, but, but there's these moments. There's these moments where we pick up these stones that we're actually going to be build, building the wall that God's called us to build in our life. Another one, again, when we're dating, I guess lots of dating stories today. I have this friend from Australia. I promise I'm from Australia. People don't always believe me because I've been influenced by you people. But my friend from Australia said, hey, if I come over there, can we go snowboarding? I said, absolutely. So I took him snowboarding in Brittany's little Honda Civic. Not very uh, fitting for snowboards, but we, we made, it, made it work. I was exhausted for some reason. I think I was just tired from school or, or something, staying up late, having a girlfriend. I don't know. I was just tired. So he shows up. But I promised I'd take him, so, so we go up to Mount Shasta, which is about an hour from Reading, and we snowboard all day, so much fun. On the way home, again, I was exhausted, and he fell asleep. He fell asleep next to me. 
So as we're driving home about halfway down the highway, I fell asleep. I, I know. And I, I wake up, you know that, like the, I forget what it's called, the bumps on the side of the road? There's a, there's a name for it, but the, it's horrible when you hit it. Those bumps. In, in the middle of the highway, I hit that. I overcorrect. I spin three times. There's an 18-wheeler right behind me. And when I spin three times, I hit the passenger side fender. The hubcap flies off. It, it bends. Now, this is Brittany's car. We're dating. It, it bends the fender, and I pull over, and I'm literally shaking. The truck actually stopped to check on us. I'm shaking. Now my friend is finally awake. And he says, you need me to drive? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he drove us home. And I'm like, oh, great. I can't hide this. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I can't hide this from Brittany or her dad. I have to go tell them. And there's probably something here about we are unpunishable. That's a book that Danny wrote. You should get it. If you haven't read that one, that will change your life. Jesus paid for everything. We are now unpunishable. I was dealing with, I'm worthy of punishment right here. So I walk in there. I talked to Danny after Brittany. I talked to Brittany first. And I kind of sheepishly walked in thinking, oh, okay, you want to hit me now or later? How does this work? How does it work in our relationship when, I'm, when I make a mistake? Because we haven't experienced this yet. What do we do when I mess up? And she stands up and she puts her arms around me and says, I'm so glad you're safe. And I burst into tears. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm okay. But something was established in our culture that day. She, she set this rock in, in, in place in our relationship that day. Now we could have left it there, but that came with us. That stone, that, that cultural stone came with us that day. Because, because she, she, chose, she chose connection, acceptance, and love over punishment. Somebody need to hear that in this room. Just to quote Bill one more time. He said this years ago at Bethel. Just, just watching the culture begin to gain momentum in this place. You know it's beginning to set in when the children start to play it out. especially in your home. You know, the culture that you're after is beginning to set in when it starts to play out in your home. I want to I run you through some of the cultural stones that I feel like we, we carry with us every day that's, that's, that's really built our wall, which, which that'll make sense in a minute. But things like, I love you very much, that's not a secret in our home. In lots of homes, the message, I love and value you very much, is a secret. Because we're just missing the tool sometimes. It's not that we don't love each other. We deeply love each other. I, I grew up in a home where my parents dearly loved me. I'm not sure I heard my dad use those words, though, until I was an adult. And so there's often in many homes, it's a secret, this message, I love and value very much. Here's another one. Our biggest problem is a disconnected relationship. I've, 
I've heard the fear of the Lord described as the fear of disconnection. That was Brittany's dad. The fear of the Lord is the fear of disconnection. I have the fear of Brittany. The biggest problem in our home is a disconnected relationship. There's no money problem. There's no car problem. You pick. What's the worst problem you can think of? There's nothing bigger than a disconnected relationship. Because if, if something becomes more important than this connection, we're in trouble. With my children, with my children and me, and with my children and each other, there's nothing more important than a disconnected relationship. When you make a mess with your sibling, we're stopping time. And we would love to do whatever is really important to you or whatever we're doing as soon as that mess is cleaned up and you've restored connection. Because that's the most important thing in our home. This is the culture we're building and handing you to begin to build in your family, to building their family, to building their family. This is what we're doing. And I think when some people hear that, it can be hard. Because you think about all these relationships where you feel disconnected. Well, now what? And it's their fault. Well, what's, which part of that connection is your responsibility? Another one. We ask good questions. When I start assuming that I know what you're thinking, that, that's the beginning of the end of this conversation. That does not help at all. I'm, I'm really bad at guessing too. I'm pretty sure you think I'm stupid, you don't like me, and you're against me. Was I close? Not even. One of the questions that, that changed my life, dramatically changed my life, is what do you need? Brittany and I were dating, again, dating. Actually, we were dating with the intention to break up. But like any responsible teenage couple, we said, let's go ask your parents permission to break up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So we walked in there and essentially, she, she's really good at expressing needs. She still is. She has lots more than I do. Just because she's good at it and she's a woman. That was out loud. Um, We're leaving tomorrow, so it's all right. <laughs> but she's really good at it. I had never had permission nor the understanding that I even had a need. So I'm overwhelmed with all these needs. She's like, well, you didn't do that one. Here's another one. You didn't do that one. Here's another one. I'm like, oh my gosh, woman. I'm going to die. She's like, well, just do one. Ah, ah. So here we are. Locking heads in the carport in a parent's driveway. So again, we got us permission we sit down, we start this conversation. Brittany's pretty much like, Mom and Dad, will you fix Ben? <laughs> and Danny looks at me and he says, Ben, what do you need? And Danny and Sherry and Brittany looked at me in silence for what felt like 35 minutes. It was probably 10 seconds. I, I'm like reaching and going, uh, nothing. Uh, mm, nope. I have nothing. I don't have a need. I've never had a need before. And that day, something shifted dramatically. It changed the way I relate to the Lord. 
It changed the way I relate to my marriage, with my children, with my friends and brothers. It shifted my life. And so I would say, if this isn't part of your culture, this is a great place to start. What do you need? And when someone says, I don't know what you're talking about, stop it. Say, okay, what do you need to feel for me? What do you need to feel right now? One of the questions that, again, changed our marriage is, what did you hear me say? The goal of communication is understanding, not agreement, just in case you didn't know that. We have to make the goal of communication agreement. And usually it's that you'll agree with me. I'm right, you're wrong. If we can, if we can just agree with that, we'll be great. We'll get along great. But if the goal is understanding, it changes the questions I ask. Actually, I start asking questions. So, uh, anyone go through COVID here? Okay, now I've got Texas jokes. <laughs> COVID, what's that? Is that like a new sweater or something? Yeah. So in California, we went through COVID. And either make you laugh or offend you. Both are fine with me. Um, so we, we got to that point where most parents in this season are trying to figure out what they're going to do when they say, hey, all your kids are coming home. <laughs> okay, wonderful. We have jobs. We have jobs. You know that, right? State people, we have jobs. So, Brittany and I are in this strong discussion. And I, I responded to what she was saying. She's trying to work out the details. Like, okay, the kids are coming home. We have to homeschool them. We got to figure all this stuff out. Like every other family on the planet is trying to do in this season. And... I responded, and then her, her face changed, and her body language shifted. It looked like she was about to reach for an arrow and shoot it at my eyeball. <laughs> so I looked at her, and I said, what did you hear me say? And what could have been two weeks of disconnection and pain got resolved right there? Because she said, you just said that your job is more important than mine, you don't care about our kids, and I have to figure it out. Oh, that's what you heard? Whew. Can I try again? And in a moment, what could have been this mess was resolved because we're asking good questions because I don't know what's happening inside of you. If, if she assumed that's what I meant, then here we go. Train left the station. It's hard to stop. One more. What are you going to do? One of, the, one of the most common things you'll hear Danny Silk say is, is the difference between powerless people and powerful people. This question right here just requires that every person around me has personal responsibility. What are you going to do? It's a question we ask our kids all the time. We have parenting courses and books and things you, things you can get to really understand what I'm talking about here. But, but getting good at asking questions is part of our culture. One more. I control myself and no one else. That's all right. The only person I control on a good day is me. One of the things in culture that's passed down is you can control the people because I control you. You're welcome. Here you go. You felt controlled by me. That's the parenting tactic we use is control each other. It's just not true. That's the problem. 
Because on earth as it is in heaven, that's not God's model. That is not God's model. One of the fruits of the Spirit, I think because he knows what he's doing, is self-control, right? I think we are in, we're in such a fight for family right now. And, and Brittany and I and our team have decided we're, we're on the front, front line. This is what we wanna do. We wanna pour our life out for this. That's what we're called to. Because this is the most important thing, I believe, in society, is healthy families. So I'm, I'm almost done. But there's this verse in Nehemiah that feels like it's, it's become this uh, life verse for us. It's in Brittany's book probably a few times. And then we actually made a hat with Nehemiah 4.14. It says, fight for family. We went through about 19 different hats because I'm such a hat snob. Um, but it's this. I'll read it to you. So I stationed armed guards, listen to this part, at the most vulnerable places of the wall. If you don't remember the, the story of Nehemiah real quick, he, he's a cupbearer for the king. And he, he hears about his, his hometown, and it's just torn down. And it's just in rubble. It's, it's wreckage. He says, King, will you grant me some time to go back home and, and restore the wall. I can't remember, was it 72 years? 70. Seven, thank you, whoever said that. I looked at Brittany, but good job. I was, I, was, I was trying to remember. So 70 years, it didn't happen. To skip ahead real quick, in 52 days, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall. So, so I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall and assigned people by families with their swords, lances, and bows. After looking things over, I stood up and spoke to the nobles, officials, and everyone else. Don't be afraid of them. The enemy, yeah? The, the, the accuser of the brethren. I was talking to my kids the other night about our mind, and, and we, we were talking through the armor of God. That the, the place that the enemy tries to get a foothold is in our thoughts. And if we can win that, that battleground, we're gonna build a wall. We're gonna restore the kingdom. That's what we're talking about here. Don't be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master, great and awesome, and then fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Shut that key. come on. Somebody. This is what I came to tell you. There's a unique call specific to your family. Like, like God called you as a unique person, I should believe in the same way, wherever you are right now, in your walk, in your journey, there's a unique call in your family. There's a certain place that God's called you to stand in the kingdom, rebuild that wall, repair the vulnerable places, and, and, and begin to create the place that, that, that heaven has dreamt about for us. God's intended desire for family. So I, again, I have one more thing to do, which says every preacher, just one more thing. But I do wanna pause for a moment and, and just say, if, if any of you in this room have realized 
there is unforgiveness towards myself as a parent or towards my parents, I think I would I'd really encourage you today to take a moment with the Lord or come get prayer after this and, and, and begin to invite the Holy Spirit into that place that probably has been protected on purpose. I, I'm scared to uncover this. But, but unforgiveness will actually perpetuate the very thing that you don't want to happen. So here it is. We call this our culture creed. We were kind of doing culture on accident for a while. We moved from Reading to Sacramento, and we realized the community we thought we were going to have, we moved with 60 people from Reading to Sacramento to help start Jesus culture. 60 people we knew and loved and thought were amazing. And it took us about a year and a half to actually find community. It was painful. Brittany spent many nights just in tears thinking, Where, where's our people? But what happened is it, it drew us closer together and, and got, us, got us kind of looking under the surface at our culture going, hmm, I'm not sure we actually are doing culture on purpose like we thought we were. Because we lived at Bethel. We didn't live in Reading. We lived at Bethel. We worked there and went to church there and slept there sometimes, literally. So we lived at this church. And we, we kind of in this culture, in this great culture that felt like our own until we left it. Huh. It's still in there. We just have to make it our own. It has to be on purpose now with more intentionality. So these three questions is what really began to help us figure out this is who we are. This is, this is how we begin to define our culture and then stay accountable to it. What's the strength of our family? What's the passion of our family? And what's the legacy of our family? We actually made a little uh, course to walk families through this that we love. I've done with lots of families. We love this stuff. But it just helps clarify this is who we are. If you don't have a family yet or you're married, I, I would encourage you to write those down, those three questions, and just take some time. The way we did it is we just get a bunch of words. We asked our kids. Lincoln was three, four, five. I was close. I was getting there. He was five years old when we did this. Lincoln, what's the, what's the passion of our family? Legos. Okay, there's something in there. There's something in building, fun, together. There's something happening in my son. And, and the point I'm making is, is, is they're a part of helping us build this culture. Because if they can help build it, they'll help protect it. So here's the Serpal Culture Creed. The strength of our family is loving, helping, and protecting people. The passion of our family is to have fun, try our best, dream big dreams, and encourage others. And our legacy, or what we'll be famous for, is to strengthen other families, live generously, and steward our inheritance well. That's the circles. So who's, who's your family? What are you called to? What's your, your unique part of that wall? There's a story you probably heard. I'll tell it real quick. But there's these three, three, three bricklayers. This man comes up, up to these three bricklayers. They're all on the same wall, do, doing the same thing. And he says to the first guy, what are you doing? Laying bricks. Okay. Goes to the second guy. What are you doing? I'm building a wall. He goes to the third guy. And he says, so what are you doing? I'm building a cathedral. And I think vision and culture uh, are closely linked that as I begin to get a vision, I, 
I need the culture to protect it and then walk it out. They were all doing the same thing. The first man had a job. The second man had a career. The third man had a calling. So here it is. Whole healthy families are going to save the world. Jesus said, I, I only do what I see the Father doing. Yeah. There you go. Say something awesome. Okay. Uh, one of the, something Ben didn't share is, you know, in our uh, engagement video, he stops and prays for somebody. And, you know, and you can see him. He's got his hands raised and he's praying for this man who's up above him and What's funny is he said that's a cultural stone. Well, it really is, and how it's manifested is we will go to restaurants or we'll be in a parking lot, and it's so funny because we'll be waiting for Ben because he's the high eye in our family, and he's the last one to get in the car because he's always talking. He's always ministering. He's always loving people. That's what he does so well, and our, our kids know this. But he'll be talking to somebody, some stranger, none of us know, ordering coffee, finishing his order, paying for our food, whatever. And then one of the kids will go, oh, dad's praying for him now. <laughs> and I, I said, how do you know? They say, he's got his praying hands on. <laughs> That's the power of culture, is my children cannot hear their father prophesying or praying over this person but they know what his hands do. When he steps into the authority and demonstrates our culture. So our children say, oh, dad's got his praying hands on. Our daughter recently got in a car accident. She had to wait for the tow truck driver and I called her and see if she was okay. And she goes, I'm fine. I said, where's dad? She goes, oh, he's got his praying hands on. Great. Couldn't end a better way, right? We have some really amazing cultural stones that we've chosen to pick up along the way. But my heart couldn't help but ache for the people that think they don't have those same cultural stones. I'm a mother to three kids, and I have come from a really great family that I'm so grateful for because they picked them up. But my father, if you didn't know, he was born in a trailer park with a single mom and can count 30 different men from the ages of 5 to 15 that came through his home. The cultural stones that he picked up and had to replace along the way were quite a few. I don't know your past. I don't know what stones you've picked up. But if you've picked up stones that you want replaced, today's the day to replace them. If we could have someone on the keys, that'd be awesome. The power of change comes with action. And what I've learned about this place thus far is that you're not afraid to get kind of wild. You're not afraid to sing prophetic songs and in the spirit when you can't sing. 
because I heard the people around me. Not everybody can sing, but they're just doing it. And I love it. And it's, it's, it's how we're supposed to live is a, just fully abandoned to him. So my ask for you on a Sunday morning, I know we got to go get kids and maybe you already got them, is if you've picked up cultural stones that you know you want replaced, I want to invite you to this front room right here, this space, because I want to pray for you. I want to give you the stones that we've picked up. As a mother, I want to replace your horrible stones that you were given as a child. I want to replace the broken places of your heart to remind you that the Father has something greater for you than what you maybe picked up in the past. The legacy that he has for your family, whether it's already happening right now and you've got little kids everywhere, or you've just left the nest thinking, wow, I came from the most dysfunctional family. God wants to restore those stones. So if you're brave enough to admit you've got some stones you don't want, please come up here and let us pray for you. Your team can come too. I'm sure there's moms and dads up there too. Come here, sweetie.